I had to be in my father's house, he said. Perhaps he was implying, you should have looked for me there first. I think this is a, a good bit of advice for us too. If you're in a bit of trouble or a bad situation, you're not sure what to do or where to look, go look in your father's house. Go to God. How many times do we behave the same way as Mary and Joseph, run around frantically in our own strength trying to do something? It might be that long list of people that we want to pray for and send an encouraging message to, meet up for coffee, but we never seem to find the time. And then we fret about what a bad friend we must be. Or it might be working every hour that we can just to pull in that little bit more income, even when it's taking its toll on our health. And then for someone to gently remind us, go to God. Give it over into his hands. And then when we do, he takes care of it. The answer presents itself. The burden is lifted. Why didn't I just do that at the start? Instead of trying to sort it all myself. So let's try and remember that this week. Let's remember to hand stuff over to God. Every time you find yourself trying to do too much in your own strength, just picture a 12-year-old Jesus looking at you with that, I can't believe I had to spell it out, look on his face and telling you to go to God. After this, Luke's gospel goes forward. Uh, chapter 3 introduces us to John the Baptist, gives us an account of his ministry, and then we read about Jesus' baptism. So let's read from Luke 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. Jesus prays to his Father, and heaven opens up. I think this is quite a big deal. We've got a picture here, yeah, of the, the whole Trinity of God. We've got Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove, and the Father speaking over him. As disciples of Jesus, we're looking here to emulate Jesus. And what we see here is Jesus getting baptised and Jesus praying. It says, as he was praying, heaven opened. Jesus is about to go into the wilderness for 40 days and to be tested and tempted by the devil. What do we think Jesus was praying for at the moment of his baptism? It probably wasn't, Father, make this look awesome for all these people. And I think Jesus is thinking about his mission, everything that's about to happen, and he's asking the Father for help. Jesus is again going to the Father, this time to seek out the Father's help, and the Father responds by sending the Holy Spirit down from heaven. So Jesus is getting baptised and praying to the Father. 
As Jesus' disciples, we who want to follow in his footsteps, this is one of the reasons why we get baptised. Firstly, it's a public display of choosing to follow Jesus. And it's a symbolic demonstration of dying to sin and raising to new life with Christ. And then because we believe that the Holy Spirit is still sent from heaven to be a helper to every Christian, we ask God in prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus was, and just as the disciples were to be at Pentecost. So why do we do this? Because having put our faith and trust in Jesus, chosen to follow him, we then find ourselves facing the broken and hurting world around us, our very own wilderness. And, and we face temptation to sin. And just like Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to resist those temptations and to survive our time in this wilderness. If you haven't been baptised, please do speak to someone afterwards about it. We'd love to talk you through more about what it means. Baptisms are great. I love seeing people get baptised. I love hearing the testimonies. Each one is unique. Of how people were going about their normal lives and then God breaks in. You can just hear, can't you, how their life gets totally changed as a result. The best baptism I've ever been to, at an older church of mine, is a six foot eight, massive uh, ex Hells Angels biker. He'd turn up to church in his biker jacket, but he put a big cross he cut into the back of the jacket. He'd sit right at the front and he'd sing really, really loudly because he loved Jesus. Completely tone deaf, all the wrong notes. It didn't matter. When he got baptised, it took three people to lift him back out of the water. But he got saved, and his whole family got saved, and he would tell the good news to absolutely everyone that he would meet. It was absolutely brilliant. So there's baptism and praying to ask God to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper. This short passage in Luke 3 shows us that when we ask God for help, heaven opens up. God's resources are endless. Now I know that many of us will feel as if we've asked God for help before and not got it. And I want to come on to that a little bit later. But I also know that there are many times when he has come through for his people. We've heard many testimonies here at church of God's provision for someone. Miraculous healings, financial provision, restoring of broken relationships, redemption of broken situations. Let's keep those testimonies coming coming, as they're a great encouragement to everyone. And let's keep asking God for his help because he is a good father. Ask him regularly to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what's not to like about being filled with the Holy Spirit? He helps us to grow the fruits of the Spirit in our character. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
prophecy, wisdom, healing, etc. They're given so that we can serve the church. The Spirit helps us to pray. He helps us to worship. He helps us to read and understand the Bible. Why would anyone not want all that in their life? So Jesus prayed and heaven opened up. I can say, let's bring it on. Let's pray that prayer as well. We need God's help as we go about our lives. The Holy Spirit is given to us to make our lives extraordinary, to help us get through the wilderness, to resist temptation, to help us have a deeper relationship with God, our Father, and to make us, day by day, more and more like Christ. So our very first introduction to Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, he says, I had to be in my father's house. The second time we read about Jesus, he's praying to his father to ask for the Holy Spirit at his baptism. It's clear that Jesus' relationship to the father is crucial. In fact, Luke goes on in in chapter 5, verse 16, he says, it's kind of a summary comment really, that Jesus often, Jesus often went off by himself to pray. Indeed, all the Gospels have got accounts of Jesus going off somewhere quiet to pray, particularly before key moments in his ministry. Before we look at the next one of these, I just want to come back to when Jesus said, I had to be in my father's house. It's Father's Day today, a day that to me as a foster dad, has a lot of significance. And I was praying a few weeks back for this, and actually it came up a bit earlier in the worship. I was reminded of another time that Jesus talked about his father's house. In John 14, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And we sang it earlier. In my father's house, there is a place for me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. It struck me, as I said, as a foster carer, we have this one room in our house that allows us to take in a foster child so that they can stay with us and be part of the family when they're going through a really tough time. And as a foster dad, I prepared that room. So I might put up the cot, or we'll pick a a nice duvet set to go on the bed, ready for when the child arrives. And that's exactly what God's doing in heaven for us. So I get to emulate Jesus with my house, making sure it's set up to be a lovely a safe home to a lost child. I can't say that there's many rooms in my house, as much as Katie would love to see that become a reality. But I can say that my door is always open. Once part of the family, they're always part of our family. They're always welcome. And actually, we've been very blessed that we're still in contact with all four of the foster children that we've had. And we get to see them growing up with their new families or back with their parents. 
I think all of us can maybe think about how we can prepare our houses, our homes, so that one way or another, they reflect a little bit of what God's house is like, a taste of what is to come, another way to demonstrate God's love to his children. Coming back to where Jesus is going out on his own to pray, let's now read from Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he almost also designated apostles. Simon, who named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So Jesus is about to pick his disciples. These are the people he's going to train up to follow in his footsteps, to come to a full understanding of the gospel, and to ultimately bear responsibility for the preaching of the good news and the establishment of the church throughout all the earth. He's basically determining who the bride of Christ is going to be. So I'm not surprised he was up all night talking to the Father about it. He's making sure he fully understands the Father's plan and he's working it through because he knows it's a really big decision. He's also then going to straight away preach his big, big hitter sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which you can read from verse 17 onwards. I think this shows that connecting to the Father is crucial for any big decisions in life, such as getting married or choosing a job. And it's also necessary to connect to the Father if we want to have impact in our work. Connecting to the Father, one-to-one, spending quality time praying and listening, worshipping and reading, listening to the Holy Spirit's promptings. We want to be as close as possible so that we, we don't understand, misunderstand or mistake our thoughts for his. The world tells you to rush, 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 that there's not enough time. But actually there's always enough time to spend with the Father. It's probably the best use of our time. The clearest example we have of Jesus desperately needing to spend time with his Father is in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that he gets betrayed, arrested, and ultimately goes to the cross. In Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46, reads... Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. 
Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus is crying out to his Father to ask if there is any other way that salvation may be accomplished for mankind other than his death on the cross. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He is ever obedient to the Father's will, even to death. As disciples of Jesus, we too need to be obedient to God's word. As it says in the book of James, be doers of the word, not just hearers. This is something that Katie and I have had in our lives. Lots of people come up to us and say, in regard to us being foster carers, I don't know how you do it. The simple answer is, God told us to do it, and so we must. And in our obedience to his calling, he then provides the means and the strength day by day to do what he's called us to do. What is God's calling on your life? I may be hazarding a guess here, but I don't think any of us are called to drift through life one Sunday morning to the next, listening to the word but not doing anything about it. I don't think we're just called to smile nicely and say nice things to each other and frown slightly when we see on the news just a glimpse of the broken world that's out there. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, God wants to work with, through you and with you to carry out his purposes for his glory. If you don't know what God's calling on you is, on your life, and I know a lot of us have asked that question, maybe start with Isaiah 61 and earnestly seek God for where he might take you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God calls us to preach the gospel. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Who do you see around you that's downtrodden, despairing or broken? Will you answer the call to apply first aid to bind up the broken hearts? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound. People can sometimes be imprisoned in their own minds 
trapped by negativity, anxiety, stress or depression, who will declare the truth over them? That Jesus is alive, that he loves them, and he can save them. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's now. Now is the time for his love and grace to be poured out, not some distant day to come. You can know the blessing salvation of Jesus right now, today. Are you called to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour? And the day of vengeance of our God. There will come a day when everyone has to give an account for their sin, sure. But who will stand up today and in righteous anger fight for justice and against all that is cruel and wrong in this world? Is that you? To comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. We all mourn, and we all have to suffer more grief and mourning as yet more loved ones eventually pass. So we all need that godly friend that knows just how to bring comfort and restoration. So let's all learn, with the help of the Holy Spirit, how to be that friend to those around us. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's us. We are called to be oaks of righteousness, to glorify God in all that we do. If you're not a mighty oak yet, then keep growing in Christ. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Let's not have our generation be counted in the many, the many that caused devastations. Let's have our generation bring about repair in the cities, in this city. So how does that all sound by way of God's calling on our lives? If any of these things caused a surge of emotion or adrenaline to rise up in you, your heart leaping as if to say, yes, I want to see that happen. Maybe that's God putting some of his desire into your desires. A calling is something that captures your heart and your mind. Something that you spend every waking moment thinking about. To motivate you to devote yourself into making it happen. And once you start doing it, you know it's your calling because you get an overwhelming sense of being in the right place and doing the work God wants you to do. 
I said earlier I'd come back to the issue of asking God for help and not getting it. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus asks the Father a question and the answer is no. He asks three times in earnest, literally crying out to God. But the answer is still no. So what's going on here? Firstly, let's be clear. God hears our prayers. He's not deaf or distracted or stops listening from time to time. He hears every prayer, even the ones that you struggle to put into words. He hears everyone and he answers everyone. His answer may be a yes, or it may be a no, or it may be a not yet. When we pray for healing, for example, the Bible tells us the answer is either a yes and we get healed, or it's a not yet, in that we are promised no more pain, no more suffering for eternity. We're never not healed. We're only ever not healed yet. And in faith, we then we should hold on to the truth that God is our healer. If you're praying for something else, a, a terrible situation, financial help, or anything, and God's saying, not yet then like Abraham waiting for a child, or David waiting to become king, seek God for what he is that he is trying to teach you in that period of waiting. It might be about growing in patience, or learning to fully trust in God, or so that he can use the experience later to help others going through a similar situation. We cannot know all of God's plans or every step along the road laid out before us. But we can know that he does have a plan for us, for our good, for our future and to give us a hope. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And we know that he is working all things together for our good. And that all his promises are yes in Christ. Romans 8:28. In 2 Corinthians 1.20. So find the verses that encourage your faith. Have them up around the house. Encourage each other with them. Never stop seeking God and asking him to give you what you need day by day for you to fulfil his promises. Jesus spent a lot of time with his father in prayer and in solitude. Why? Well, he tells us himself, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Which is John 5, verse 19. Jesus was finding out the Father's plan, 
And we as his disciples copy what he does just as he copied the Father. We spend time with God in prayer and in his word so that we can then hear what it is he would have us do and to call down heaven's resources so that we can accomplish it. So in a minute we're going to sing. I just want to give an opportunity when we do that to come forward for prayer, those that might want healing, those that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or those that need God to help them get through each day. Yeah, if you want to come forward for prayer, there are lots of people here that would happily pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. But as we sing, let's, let's go to God. and Let's ask for heaven to be opened up. Yeah, let us pray. Father, Lord God, we thank you for your love that you pour out on us. Lord, we thank you that we can come into your presence. The door is always open. You welcome us like a child into your arms. Lord, we pray that you will open up heaven this morning for us. Lord, let us see you in your, in your glory. Lord, let us come and worship you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for how you call us. Lord, we thank you for how you want to work through us, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our hands.